At this time, let's turn our Bibles to Luke 6. Luke 6, we'll start reading at verse uh, 39, but to give honor and to give heed to the word of the Lord, let's stand if you're able, as we read together Luke 6, starting at verse 39. This is God's holy word. Luke six thirty nine, And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Let's pray together. We thank you, our blessed Lord, for giving us this, your holy and infallible word. And we pray that you would help us to receive it and to believe it and to apply it to our lives. That as being those who are becoming more fully trained by your word, that you would help us to be like the greatest teacher of all, even the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. We ask these things in his blessed name. Amen. Please be seated. When you decide to make something new, you should always have some sort of goal in mind and a plan on how to get there. Whether it's a new home, or maybe it's a home that you want to make an addition to, you need a blueprint or a set of blueprints. Um, if If you're ever buying furniture that needs to be assembled, do yourself a favor and don't try to wing it. Look at the schematics and try to follow along to see where all the bolts and nuts and everything goes. Otherwise, you might end up having to build it twice before you get it right. The same thing goes with Christians in this life. We are to have an end goal in mind. And we are to have a plan on how we are to get there. And uh, God gives us time in this life as we grow and mature and, and grow in sanctification. But we need to have a goal in mind. Otherwise, if we don't have that goal in mind, we will not grow as we ought. Without this, uh, we are sometimes left aimless. Today's sermon is a continuation of Matthew's, um, I could say his coverage, or his rendition of the Sermon on the Mount of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an abbreviated version of that Sermon on the Mount, which was also uh, recorded in Matthew 5-7. through And in in Matthew's Gospel, three chapters here, it's been abbreviated down to the portion of chapter 6. You could say that this was the most famous sermon that Jesus preached. When Jesus concluded this sermon, according to Matthew, that people were amazed at his teaching because he taught not as the scribes, but he taught as one having authority. Today's sermon, Jesus Christ lays down for us the importance of avoiding false teachers, but also a teaching of what we should end up like when we're fully trained. The end goal of what we should look like when we're fully trained through the Holy Gospel. In today's text, we will discover that our ultimate teacher should be the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and his word is our blueprint. We'll focus on today's text under this heading, You Are to Become Like Your Ultimate Teacher, Jesus Christ. And we'll look at this in two main points. Avoid blind guides. And secondly, be like Jesus. Let's look at this first main point. Avoid blind guides. Verse 39. And he spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? Now, this illustration here is pretty vivid. Maybe you could think of someone being blind, or maybe even walking off a cliff. Or can you imagine if you're walking along the Red River, and you have this section of the Red River where they have all these huge stones for helping prevent the washing away of the riverbank or the levee, and someone's walking along and they're blind. You got another blind guy leading another blind guy, and they and they walk off the edge of the levee. I think you would you probably wouldn't survive. Maybe you would fall into the Red River and even drown. But Jesus uses this illustration, and the people that he was really focusing on, and we find this out in, in Luke's gospel later, I mean, in, and also in, in, uh, in Matthew, is that he's focusing on the scribes, Pharisees, and others like that, the Sadducees, the lawyers of his day. Jesus actually uses the words of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, against them, Isaiah 29, 13 and following, when he quotes this in Matthew 15. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Shortly after he says that, he outright calls the Pharisees blind guides. Now, when God has laid down doctrine for us, that's teaching in Holy Scripture. When God has laid down doctrine for us, we are to follow what God says in order to have that right path to follow in this life, but also unto eternal life as well. The psalmist said this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119.105 Now, people stray away from the path by looking at alternate lights. They want other means of light to guide them along the path of life rather than God's holy word. Now, there are Christian ministers who compromise regarding the issue of science. I recently met one, um, and basically he tries to say that whatever science says concerning evolution has to be conformed to, we have to actually conform the book of Genesis to what evolution says. So he's taking the book of Genesis and he's, he's distorting it to make it fit an unproven theory of evolution. And if you disagreed with him, he would say that you were a Bible thumper. Now, what's interesting is that if you have an, a discussion or a disagreement with someone, and if they want to call you names rather than try to show you from God's word the truth of what Scripture says, you kind of have an indication that maybe that guy's not so... He's not the best guide. He's probably, perhaps, a blind guide. Now, you have to trust what Scripture says. 
if you can't trust what Scripture says about the first Adam all the way back in Genesis, how can you trust what Scripture says about the second Adam, even Jesus Christ our Lord? God's special revelation is His Holy Word. God's general revelation is revelation that comes through science. Not not unproven science, but empirical science. And the two cannot disagree. If something disagrees with God's holy word, we have to say that it's been interpreted wrongly. God's word must be that ultimate authority. Now, we don't have a people in this nation called Pharisees that Jesus called blind guides. We don't have necessarily those who go by that name, but we do have blind guides in the United States of America. I want us to look at two different groups. One is the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Jehovah's Witness cult. They would say that, now this is, not, this is only one problem of many in their doctrines, but I'm going to focus on one. They would say that Jesus Christ was a first created angel. He is not God, but an angel. And they would say that he is also Michael, the archangel. Uh, let's, let's try to find a way to, from Holy Scripture to undo that. Hebrews 1.6 is the best rebuke of all. It says this, And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. In other words, when Messiah comes into the world, all of the angels of God will worship Jesus Messiah, the Son of God. How can angels worship angels and not sin? Angel worship is forbidden in Holy Scripture in at least two different places, in Colossians 2.18 and also in Revelation 22.8-9. The story in, in Revelation is this. Um, John during his great revelation of the book of Revelation, he sees a mighty, awesome angel, and he bows down before the angel. And the angel rebukes him. He says, don't worship me. Worship God alone. That's because, you know what? To worship an angel would be sin. So if Jesus Christ is an angel, and, and the scripture says the other angels that worship him, that's preposterous. And what about all the passages of Scripture that talk about giving praise and adoration to Jesus Christ? It makes the Bible nonsense. They're blind guides. Uh, Another um, wrong teaching, well, before I go on, I would say if you meet someone and they, they deny the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, that's another sign that you have a blind guide in your midst. The blind guide uh, of the Mormons, um, President Brigham Young, wrote this. So you have the Jehovah's Witnesses, now you have the Mormons. He wrote this. The Lord created you and me for the purpose of becoming gods like himself. The Lord has organized mankind for the express purpose of increasing in that intelligence and truth until he is capable of creating worlds and becoming gods, even the sons of God. So the teaching of the Mormons is that you can become a god, just like Jesus, who wasn't a god, they say, became a god, but you can become a god just like Jesus became a god. 
and you can create your own worlds. It's written in scripture in Luke 4, 8 later on. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. These who teach these horrible teachings are blind guides. And if you follow them, you will fall into a ditch. But even worse than that, you will fall into a pit, namely the pit of hell. So avoid being led by a blind guide. You need to ensure that you must your most trusted teachers, whether it's in church, whether it's in literature and books, whether it's audio sermons you listen to, whether it's videos you watch on YouTube, you must make sure that every one of your teachers would be able to say, let God be true and every man a liar. Romans 3, 4, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. Ultimately, your ultimate teacher must be the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your ultimate guide. And that leads us to our next main point. Be like Jesus. Verse 40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Now, there are times in life where you have someone who sits under a particular teacher and, and they go and they study and they can even later on surpass their teacher. I would love it if somebody who sits under the preaching here would one day go to seminary and study and be able to surpass what I'm able to do. And But Jesus is the ultimate teacher that no one can surpass. In Colossians 2.9 and following it says, In him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. He is the head over all rule and authority. So Jesus reigns supreme over all, and no one, no one will be ever able to surpass him. But at the same time, Scripture says that we must be like him. We must be conformed unto his image. We must imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never be above our glorious Lord, yet you are called to be like him. Look at verse 40 again. Everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. The name even Christian means follower of Christ. To live in a way like Christ lived. To imitate the Lord Jesus. And we find in the book of Acts that the apostles imitated the Lord Jesus Christ in a very special way. I want us to turn to Acts 3, the book of Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb had been who was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the, by the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. 
But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and when they were talk, uh, taking note of him as being of one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And turn to chapter 4. As they were, this is speaking of Peter and John being arrested. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and they put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, uh, the high priest, was there. And Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were highly, uh, and all of who were of high priestly descent. And they had placed them in the center and began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we were on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be made known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is none other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now here's the key part. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Notice that. They recognized that these men had been with Jesus. They were like him. They were reminiscent of Jesus. They preached the doctrine of Jesus. And in a special way, they were able to do the signs and wonders of Jesus as well. Because Holy Scripture is laid down for us as a foundation made up of prophets and apostles with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. So it goes to figure that those apostles at the early foundation of the church would be able to do signs and wonders to show that they had that authority given to them from even Jesus Christ himself. But notice one last thing. The end of chapter 4. 
says, verse 31, toward the end, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, you might not be able to do the signs and wonders that Jesus did, laying on hands. I do believe we should pray for people for healing, and we can, and God does heal people. However, this is something in verse 31 that every one of us, both great and small, young and old, can share in. Once you become fully trained in the Holy Gospel, a gift of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is boldness to speak to others about the Word of God. Boldness to not fear the faces of men, but to fear God rather than men. Boldness to not be ashamed of the Scriptures. Boldness to not be ashamed of your Savior. To tell others the truth in love. Fearing God and not men. Again, boldness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's another way that even the Apostle Paul imitated the Lord Jesus Christ, which we can imitate as well. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians 4, starting at verse 7. Paul writes this, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us with life in you. Those modern Christians who are undergoing persecution even now, those who are afflicted and persecuted, they are imitating or like Jesus because they are caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, even as many of them will die, just as Jesus died as well. Paul here is giving a word picture of Jesus. And the very word picture of Jesus is even the life of Paul himself. Paul's life and his suffering was an imitation of Jesus Christ. And in the same way, the modern martyrs, those who die for their faith, are likewise those who carry about in the body the dying of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, when you are rejected, when you are mocked, when you are laughed at for the sake of Christ... You also have the life of Jesus being made manifest in your body. They treated Jesus that way. Will they not also treat his servants that way? As your pastor, I hope that you can pray for me and 
Pray for me that I would be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, that I would become more like Jesus Christ. Pray for your pastors, pray for your elders, and pray for your deacons, that one day they could be able to say, imitate me or be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Each of us can pray for improvement. Each of us have a great deal of room of improvement in this holy calling. But it's not just pastors, elders, and deacons. I believe what we need is godly parents. Godly parents, when the young people can look to their parents and the parents can say, imitate me as I imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray for marriages that husbands and wives can seek to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. They could put him above and first, and they could put the interests of others above their own interests. Every relationship you have, even in your friendships, seek to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to turn at one last passage, Philippians 2. One of the best passages about imitating Jesus. Next time you have an argument, next time you have a disagreement, next time you, you have pride that gets in, in the way of your uh, relationship, maybe you could read Philippians 2 together. Verse 1 says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit... If any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Brothers and sisters, be like Jesus. Don't put your interests first. Ask God for grace to put the interests of others before your own. You are to become like your ultimate teacher, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't be aimless. Don't be wandering around of, well, what does God want of me? Set your goal to be like Jesus. Make this to be your life's goal. In your work, in your relationships, in your leisure, especially in how you treat one another. But in order to be like Jesus, you must first avoid blind guides because they will lead you into a ditch or even into the pit of hell. Be instead like Jesus Christ our Lord. Hold him and his word as the ultimate authority in your lives. Be like Jesus by making him the primary goal for which you are to be conformed to. You are to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ our Lord.
into this image of the Son of God. If you have not confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first ultimate step that you must make to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, to turn from your sin and to embrace Him and His salvation which He offers unto you. And you will be forgiven and then He will help you to grow into His image. Let's pray together. Our glorious Lord, we thank you for this, your holy word. Forgive us of our many sins. Forgive us of the many ways that we have failed in, in being conformed unto the image of your Son. Help us to become fully trained. Help us to be made like unto him, even like unto our blessed Lord Jesus. Work in our hearts and minds, we pray. Help us to set aside every weight and every encumbrance that so easily besets us and help us to run that race, looking to the author and finisher of our faith, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us to put our faith and trust in him and grant us both eternal life and even sanctification in this life. For we ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For him of dedication, we'll stand and sing 284, Ye servants of God, your master proclaim. Let's stand and sing 284. <laughs>